May peace be with you. If you stick around at the end, there's more information about our community and how to find us. And now, here's this week's Centering Scripture, followed by the sermon. Our scripture today begins with Luke chapter 7, verse 11. Soon afterwards, Jesus went to a city called Nain, and his disciples were going along with him, accompanied by a large crowd. And from Luke chapter 9, verse 11, But the crowds were aware of Jesus and followed him. Welcoming them, he began speaking to them about the kingdom of God and curing those who had need of healing. Luke chapter 14, verse 25, Now large crowds were going along with him. And Luke chapter 15, verses 1 to 7. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. So just so I will tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who need no repentance. Good morning, everyone. So our main passage today is Luke chapter 15. Now Luke 15 offers a series of three parables that are probably right up there with the parable of the Good Samaritan as the most widely shared of Jesus's parables. We heard the first one this morning, the parable of the lost sheep, which if you recall is immediately followed by the parable of the lost coin and the parable of the prodigal son. These parables at the heart teach us about the amazing, surprising grace of God. They remind us also that God takes joy when those who are sundered from fellowship are reunited together. Now, you may have noticed that in addition to that central passage, we have a few other seemingly random snippets from Luke's gospel. They, of course, are not random. I chose them. And they have one obvious thing in common. This drumbeat description of how Jesus was constantly joining, creating, or often attracting crowds. For today's sermon, I'd like to share three things about the nature of Jesus and crowds. So right, I'm going to break from my normal format. We're going to have a traditional three-point sermon. So buckle in. Point one, and if there's only one key takeaway, it would be this. We cannot separate knowing and following Jesus with the direct experience of being drawn into wider crowds. In other words, there's no separating discipleship from community. Community, in fact, is the larger and wider place 
that we should anticipate finding and discovering who Jesus is and what Jesus is about. That may seem obvious to some of us who rely on a place like this to sort out life's big questions, but for most of the history of Christianity here in the U.S., the drumbeat of discipleship has mirrored more so personal piety, an individualistic faith. If I focus on my own right relationship with Jesus or God, if I do the good and right things, then, well, I'll I'll get into heaven or avoid that other place. It's me. Am I doing the right things? And that is discipleship. Or at least it is what discipleship is often described as here in the U.S. But when we look at Jesus' nurturing and teaching of his own disciples, He is pulling them time and time again into wider crowds, and that is where the teaching and the miracles and the spiritual lessons take place. Author and theologian Willie James Jennings describes this concept uh, as being essential to the life of faith and something that is forgotten in many Western Christian circles. As our ivory towers and seminaries evolved, he shares, we seem to forgot that being part of those who follow Jesus means finding ourselves not alone in an ivory tower, but out in the messiness of life in the context of community. Willie James Jennings, this is uh, one of the authors who's very prominent in my own doctorate work. I'm going to hold up this book and leave it here because it's such a good book, and I want to encourage folks to consider reading it. But Willie James Jennings offers what he describes as a hermeneutic of belonging, as being essential to understanding faith. Now, a hermeneutic is a term that I was not familiar with until I went to seminary. I don't know if other people use it in life. In my circles, people do. A hermeneutic is basically a tool or a guideline for interpretation. Think of it as a lens that brings something into clearer focus. For Presbyterians, Jesus' rules of love are often viewed as a guiding lens. As we read and unpack stories in scripture and find some things confusing, we ask ourselves to remember that Jesus said everything should point to the love of God, the love of neighbor, and the love of self. If it breaks with that teaching, we should be suspicious. Willie James Jennings suggests that churches and seminaries who have come so far away from Jesus' version of discipleship need a new corrective lens, which is the lens or the hermeneutic of belonging or the hermeneutic of community, which is to say that we need to remember that we are formed and reformed in the context of community, and if we are away from the crowds, then we are likely away from where Jesus is leading. And the crowds that are bigger, messier, they are often the more meaningful sites to engage in life and faith's deep questions. There is no separating discipleship from community. There's no separating the experience of grace from crowds. That's point number one. Point number two, 
Parables have a wonderful variety of lessons to teach us. This we know. One of the things that we often overlook is that parables themselves have a context in which they occur. It's great that we can remember these stories, take them with us in our pocket, and have a reminder about God's audacious, joyous grace. But sometimes that we forget that Jesus told a parable like this one in response to something that was happening. In this case, Jesus launches into the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin and the prodigal son in response to the grumbling crowds. People are complaining about who Jesus and the disciples are keeping company with. Why are so many of those folks here? And it is then that Jesus shares these memorable stories about the grace of God and the joyful celebrations that occur when people are brought together. There's a whole lot of growing on, or a whole lot of grumbling going on at the start of this parable. And as a preacher, it makes me stop and think, well, do we live in a society where there's a whole lot of grumbling going on right now? We sure do. So maybe we should pay attention. We live in a country where a lot of folks are grumbling about who is showing up and where. About who gets to show up in our schools or our school textbooks. About who shows up at the borders of our states and countries. This week we saw a very prominent example, a sort of an anti-parable, I would say, of this very concept as refugees, you likely heard in the news, were gathered, deceived, and flown from Texas using Florida taxpayer dollars to Martha's Vineyards in a political stunt to try to lift up a message of people not being welcome here and people arriving seeking refugees or seeking refuge and relief being a problem. We live in a society that grumbles so much that we would spend taxpayers' dollars from one state to fly people, to lie to them, to relocate them to another state, all to try to make a point using people as political props. That is an anti-welcome, anti-grace embodiment of this parable. And, I don't know if you caught later in the week, the response from those who lived in Martha's Vineyard. It was an incredible outpouring of makeshift funds and relief and drawn up shelters. The type of supply drives that we have hosted here before where we ask our neighbors, bring whatever you can, bring clothes, bring food, bring shelters. There was a backlash of grace and welcome and community. There was a crowd that showed up and formed and welcomed people in. Which one of these two examples do you think Jesus would be more likely to tell a parable about and to teach? Which one is offering grace? Whenever there is grumbling about who is loud in, we do well to remember that God is always laughing 
and finding a way to go forward to build welcome. The grace and love of God is always waiting on the other side of where we would draw our boundaries of exclusion. Now, St. Luke, we are not a very grumbly community. We do support refugees. We have been a sanctuary church. We do our best to be a site of radical inclusion, and we try to challenge ourselves more and more always to move more deeply into what that looks like. And yes, we find that we always have more to learn. But in general, in general, we are more audaciously celebratory than grumbly when it comes to who is here. But, this is a three-point sermon, which means there is one point left. We do grumble sometimes, but perhaps in a different way. And I'm going to acknowledge this gently. We here at St. Luke do not often grumble about who is showing up, but we do sometimes grumble about who isn't showing up. I understand that folks want to see large crowds here every single Sunday morning. I also understand that we want to see all of our children and youth and young families here every single morning. I understand this because people often tell me, gosh, I wish we saw our families with young folks more often. And if you were here last week, you would have saw a whole lot of them. You might even be hearing one right now. (laughs) Often, this grumble is presented to me with this question. How do we get more of X people group here? A lot of times that might be younger folks or folks who are not white. We are in a very predominantly white area and a historically predominantly white church. How do we get X people group here? When it comes to following in the ways of Jesus, this parable and these snippets of the crowds invite us to ask, is it our aim to have the crowds flock to us? Or is it our aim to go with Jesus to the places where the crowds are sifting and searching through life's difficult questions? People are not objects. They are not something to get. They are someones to join and to love and to accompany. And when we do so, we often find that we ourselves are caught up into wider crowds and expanding communities. Now, to be clear, it is fine and good to ask, how do we welcome more folks? How do we invite people in? How do we share this wonderful treasure that is St. Luke with more people? I do want that. This community is not only my mission and my passion, it is my job and my livelihood. I have two young children, homesick right now, but two young children who I want to have a lot of peers here. So it's not that we don't make it a priority to help welcome people in and share this wonderful oasis for practicing community. But... In addition to asking, how do we welcome more folks in? How do we invite more folks in? I want to encourage us 
to also and perhaps even first be asking, how do we meet folks where they are? How do we follow the shepherd outside our own familiar gates and fields into those places where the crowds are roaming? Friends, the good news is that I would argue that we uniquely do know how to do this. I think we just sometimes forget it on Sunday mornings when we are wishing that folks were always here. But of course, the church is not the building. It is not this hour of worship. It is the people of God in the world, following in Jesus, working for justice and peace. Just this past Wednesday, a group of St. Lucas helped to organize an electric vehicle and bike event as part of a larger climate hub gathering that was hosted. Judy, where was it hosted? Was it out in Hopkins? Hopkins West. Junior. Hopkins West. A number of faith communities and local environmental groups helped to put this event together, and there were people from all over Hopkins, I believe over 100 people, who gathered to learn about ways to reduce their carbon footprint. And after the event, the mayor of Hopkins asked one of our St. Lukers, well, I already named you Judy, Judy, <laughs> hey, how do we get an initiative like this? like this West Metro Climate Hub that you have helped to create in Minnetonka, how do we get that started in Hopkins so that we can work with our faith communities in this effort? That's just this past Wednesday. A few days before that, on Sunday, if you lingered long enough after church, you would have seen our families with our Eco Club out harvesting produce from the Division of Indian Work St. Luke Garden, bringing it in here to work with the Division of Indian Work Chef Derek to prep salsa in our new community kitchen a multi-generational salsa-making party that left taste buds tingling, I am sure. It was a little spicy. <laughs> now, if you were here Sunday morning at 10.30 for worship, you probably would have saw a number of those youth and children, but if you did not stay longer, you may have missed that wider crowd and community. Tomorrow, Monday, several of us here from St. Luke will be joining Mills Church and their partnership with Twin Cities Habitat for Humanity for a groundbreaking on an affordable housing project on their property. That's not occurring here. But I know that there's going to be a big, wide, raucous, joyful crowd celebrating what has been a long and hard-won effort to see the first new affordable housing unit built in this area in, I forget how long, but a long time. We are good at joining the wider crowd in the raucous celebration of God's love and welcome and grace. Sometimes we find that wider crowd is with us. I hope that we will always consider inviting that wider crowd in to come and join us. This is a special community. But in following Jesus, we do so because we are following in the teachings and the actions of love and grace, not because we are hoping to get people. I want those folks here. I want them here too. But we are doing it because we are part of the gospel of love and grace in the world. And then we get to be in that blessed gift of community and joy and grace. So three points, traditional three-point sermon wrap-up. There is no separating discipleship from community. 
There's a whole lot of grumbling going on. Let's not do that. And three, let's remember that we actually do know how to find ourselves caught up in the wider crowd and in doing so, caught up in the very fellowship and discipleship of Jesus. And when that happens, as these parables share with us, there is joy. Joy at the return of the sheep, joy at the found coin, joy in the return of the prodigal son, joy in Jesus right there whenever surprising groups of community are coming together. May we be a part of that grand celebration. Amen. As a church located on Lakota land in Minnetonka, Minnesota, St. Luke is a joyful, inclusive, intergenerational, and compassionate community on a spiritual journey seeking to do justice, make peace, and to walk humbly with God. We invite you to join us live for virtual worship each Sunday morning on Facebook or YouTube, or by following the worship links on our website, stluke.mn. Thanks for listening. May you go in peace.